When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Fright School. Are you ready? Class is in session. Welcome back to Fright School. Hello, Joe. Hi, Joshua. How you doing? I'm I'm hanging in there. Hanging, hanging in there. It was a yeah. long week. It was a long week. I feel, I feel, you know, as a, as a band from the early 2000s might say, I feel like I'm getting down with a sickness. Oh, yeah. Um, Not feeling well. No. Well, you know, my dad had the flu. Oh. And, like, I love him, but I also just, like, I have things to do. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm keeping at arm's length, wiping everything. So I'm hoping that it's just because of the weather and not like an actual sickness. So I'm just willing it. Well, hope you didn't bring it up in here and infect me. I don't think so. All right. I'm keeping my hands to myself. (laughs) Good. Well, yes, that's good. Uh, well, I'm sorry to hear that you're not uh, feeling all that well. Well, you know, I'm or well enough. It's encroaching. It's encroaching. It's like right there. It's the looming, what, what the looming specter of fascism. It's the looming specter of sickness. The fluness. Yes, but I'm fine right now. I'm here. I'm upright. You are. Yes. Wonderful. Here we are. <laughs> um, yeah, so here we are. Do another episode. Let's say uh, before we uh, dive into the film, what's going on? So today um, we had the release of the new Child's Play trailer, which looks great. Yes, it looks fun. Um, I love the original. We're going to do that soon. Mm -hmm. Um, Probably closer to the release date of the of the remake. So we'll watch Child's Play, examine it, see why is it still relevant? Why did we need a remake? We're going to find out. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> Do you think I'll need to watch the other? Because the sequels are also pretty beloved as well. Like Seed of Chucky is really beloved. Bride of Chucky. Should I watch those? I mean, I don't think it'll matter for the the for remake. The, for the remake, okay. Because I, you know, I think that they're just kind of taking the original story and bringing updating it. You mm-hmm. know, updating uh, to now. Re, it's a reimagining. Um, but Aubrey Plaza is in it, yeah, which I'm I very excited. Aubrey Plaza's uh, playing a mom. Yeah, I know, right? She seems really young. To yeah, be playing a mom. But you know, Hollywood. Yeah, I'm curious. Did you you hear me shaking my head? Right. Yeah, I'm uh, curious to see how it goes. Uh, So, because I, yeah, I remember seeing Child's Play when I, again, when I was a kid, and I, I don't, I never found it really scary. You know, I, it's kind of the same with like some of the later Nightmare on Elm Streets, where Chucky is just really funny. He's very campy Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. very draggy. You know, in that way, sort of, um, you know, maniacal laughter and you know ridiculous puns and stuff like that so i was always funny i've never been afraid of dolls mm-hmm. but i'm very excited that when we get to that we're, we'll dive into that whole phobia examining that whole thing like of you know, dolls of dolls of children you know, there's a whole thing about you know um 
that sort of horror coming from these like places of masks of innocence. Yes. You know, so Ooh. We'll, have to, we'll have to look at that. That sounds like your latest single, Masks of Innocence. Oh, <laughs> um, I'm also very excited about uh, Horror Noir. Yes. This. Yes, yes I have. Uh, I'm looking forward to watching that. I've not yet watched it, so we should definitely plan. Um, we should definitely plan to watch that. Yeah, very soon, and uh, probably talk about it right here on Fright School. Where else are you going to talk about a documentary like this? I know <laughs> it's like made for this. Yeah, it's uh, all um, examining. Uh, this is uh, horror noir, blacks in American horror films. So if you mm. have not heard about that yet, people go out watch it on Shutter. We'll watch it and uh, do a review in an upcoming episode. Yeah, uh, hopefully um, there'll be some good suggestions. You know, and I'll be like, oh my gosh, we haven't watched that. Let's watch that. Yeah. Uh, other than that, let's see news on the Fright School front. As we've talked about in the last couple episodes, we're going to Monster Mania in New Jersey. Yay! Yay! Ah! Uh, this will be. We're our- excited to go to New Jersey. Yes. Uh, I'm very excited to do our first con. This is going to be fun. Like yeah. our first. Uh, we're taking it on the road. Field trip. So, feels very very special. Uh, so. You know, yay to that. Uh, if you haven't been following us on the social medias, please do. Facebook, yeah. Instagram, Twitter, at Fright School, all those places. We we've, post funny stuff. We do. We've got some good memes going. Uh, a special shout out to unpaid intern, <laughs> uh, Brian, who is digging up all kind of cool stuff. He's, like, responsible for all the fun things that you're seeing on, on our, our social media pages. It also just... And then I just pull them and reshare them on Instagram and Twitter. <laughs> it's just It's just, like, a testament to... How well he knows us. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yes, I know. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. He pulls some really fun, good stuff. And then some things I'll pull and I'm like, okay, we're going to do that movie in the future. So I want to pull this and we'll reshare it later. <laughs> <laughs> so I like, you know, grab different things that he finds. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's awesome. And there's some great articles that he shared and uh, to our pages. So, you know. Oh my we, God. The, the, new, the new poster for us oh, with yes. Lupita Nyong'o. Oh, First yeah. of all, I Lupita Nyong'o is on my list of the women that I would just love to have an intimate night with. Not <laughs> okay. not not necessarily sexual relations, I but you know, just like you just want to sit around in your in your pajamas, your hair up in curlers. Exactly, we're drinking red wine. Drinking you know? red wine. We wed wine. Wed yes. wed wine. <laughs> wed wed wine. Yes. Uh, yes, you're having glasses of red wine. We're, we're spilling having, the tea. We're spilling the tea over red I wine. What kind of tea she would spill? Ooh, Lupita yeah. Nyong'o? Yeah, like what does she Ooh. have if you're sitting around talking with her and she's like, girl, listen, <laughs> let me tell like, you something. Let me tell you, Wakanda forever or right. something like that. I don't know why I just said that. Um, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm struggling now to see what uh, what else she's been in. Uh, 12 Years a Slave. Right. Um, Lupita. Like that. You don't know. Sarah Paulson is a fucking asshole. No, oh, can no. you imagine? <laughs> Um, she did go to Yale drama, so maybe yeah. she has some tea about Yale. Maybe. Um, she, she got Disney tea cause she's yeah. in, you know, she's involved in Marvel, but she also did Queen of Katwe where she, yeah. which is a Disney movie. I just, I just pull, I, I like to pull the most obscure thing I can think of when I talk about or meet, potentially I'm going to meet a celebrity. I just think of the most obscure thing I can think of. And, and say, a Disney film is the most obscure thing? Queen. I don't think a lot of people saw Queen of Cotway. Yeah, I'm it's like an African that. chess prodigy. Huh. Yeah. Well, we that that actually sounds very good. Yeah. Hmm. Um, anyway. In the show notes, Queen of Cotway. <laughs> right. Yeah. Check, <laughs> check, check that out. remember that. Yes. Um, 
good lord. Uh, what else? We are recording today on a Friday, Friday evening, mm-hmm. so we'll have Drag Race coming up. Oh, God. So we'll see, we'll what, see what happens. What horrors await us on that mm-hmm. uh, show. Um, there aren't that many episodes left. There aren't. It's almost over. Season's almost done. Uh, you saw that Ryan Murphy thing with uh, I what's did. His face? Gus Kenworthy. Gus Kenworthy. I do follow. I was going to call him white blonde man. Yes, uh, brown haired, <laughs> seventy three. Yeah, someone posted the. Yeah. Oh, is he brown haired? I don't even. Know. Well, he has. I mean, dirty blonde, dirty brown, brown, brown. But like, he's in the bill. Like, yeah, I, no, he's totally that. Somebody shared like that photo. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay, yeah, yeah, with everybody, and they all look exactly the same. I feel like, I feel like maybe he's doing this on purpose as a troll, and then he's it's going to come to fruition in some way when he ends American Horror Story. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I feel like he's, like, I'm putting all these guys who look the same or has, a, you know, yeah. and, and some way it's going to come out. But I'm curious to see because, um, you know, Gus Kenworthy, famously not an actor. Right. He's a sports thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gus Kenworthy is an, is an Olympic silver medalist right. in skiing. Okay. In, like, um, extreme skiing. Like, Look at you, mask for mask. I know. Well, oh I mean, Gus Kenworthy is also Gus Kenworthy is also like you know my type and my fat think, material. Yeah, he's <laughs> fat material. <laughs> Title of app: fat material. Fap, um, fap, fap material. Okay, I want yeah. to make sure you heard me. Uh, yes, <laughs> fap, um, fapping. What's funny is that Instagram posted. Instagram reminded me that a year ago, like a few days ago. It's like you posted this last year, and it was a picture of Gus Kenworthy, like because we were going into the Winter Olympics, and I was like, I just had I had a dream, a very vivid dream about him. It wasn't sexual um, at first, and it was, <laughs> and it was a very vivid dream about Gus Kenworthy. <laughs> so this episode is now fat material. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't sexual. Dot dot dot. At, at first. first, yes. <laughs> And then we're talking about the thing. Yeah. People are going to be like, what? <laughs> it's perfect. You just have to watch. You just have to listen. Is it your thing or Gus's thing? Uh- <laughs> Whose thing? Anyways, continue. You had a dream. I, I'm done now. And that was it. And then I posted it and I was like, oh God, just, I just want him to like it. I just want him to like it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Dreams. Dreams. Um, I'm, try- I'm still trying to decolonize my desire. Yeah, uh, I see Joshua, that. So. Yes, yes, it's a process. I'm learning. I should give that book, uh, you know, the Yucatan Mayan sexual desire book I have. Anyways, that's all thing. <laughs> the colonizing sexuality. Uh-huh. Uh, anyways, so let's see. Anything else to, like, talk about? Um, I encourage people to go back and listen to season one, episode three, Galians. Yes. Where we discuss thing from another world, which the film today. So this is kind of fun. We, uh, clue the uh, clue you in, dear listener, to, mm-hmm. to, 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 the, to the specialness of this episode. Yes. Um, we are... We've been going back and listening to a lot of our old episodes because we are now on Pinecast. Yay! Yay, Pinecast. And it allows us a lot more flexibility with sharing information that's in the episode and links and all kinds of other stuff. And so we've been going back and listening and updating all the old show notes and whatnot. And, 
you know, our first season is pretty well encompassed in, in the sense that it's, you know, it's like your original journey. Like you, you, yeah. you know, you're the whole foundational, yeah. you know, it's education, a, exactly. you know, that you got. And, but a lot of these films have been remade or they have really fun sequels or things like that that you've still not yet seen. So mm-hmm. we are going to do every, every few episodes over the next couple of months, we're going to go back and reexamine, um, well, not really re-examine an old episode, but we're going to look at a remake or a sequel to something from our first season. Mm-hmm. And so I really encourage you to go back and listen to Galians, yeah. <laughs> in which we talk about all kinds of alien movies, hardly getting to the, um, to the thing, to from, the thing from another world. <laughs> but it's still, it's, it was a fun conversation re-listening to it after, I mean, we're going, this is like our third year now. Yeah. Uh, so we've been, we've been we're juniors. This. Yes. We've been at this for a while. Yeah. Um, so anyways, the point is, is that, yeah, we're, we're kind of doing this new thing where we're going to look at remakes and, you know, I like it, the, sh- the polished up, you know, versions that came so much later. Yeah. Does that mean we're going to watch the, the Ryan Reynolds Amityville? Mm. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, okay. We could watch it. Now, whether or not we do an episode on it. That's fat material right there. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's kind of the thing. That some of the, some of the, um, the films that we've watched that have remakes, I don't think say anything new. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the, the issue. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. So it's still, it's still trying to find that balance between, you know, finding, you know, a movie or a film yeah. you know, versus just like, you know, something fun. I mean, and we can certainly, again, you know, just always straddling that yeah. line. We're trying not to be too elitist academic, but, you know. Yeah. We can enjoy a romp. Yeah. We're still trying to, you know, we're examining, you know, you know horror in You know, way. speaking of, like, talking about our remakes and, you know, remakes and reboots, one of the uh, one of the questions that I asked of uh, Sam Weinman and Michael Verratti at the talk uh, that right. they had. Night of Queer Horror. At the Night of Queer Horror <laughs> was, um, like, what properties they would want to get their hands on in terms of like rebooting and and i think that's just it's so fascinating to hear like creative people talk about how they would remake something yeah and it was interesting i will i will not share what they said you know so that way we can yeah you, sh- you should have been there yeah you should have been there you know yeah. uh but go to any of their other talks you ask them yourself and yeah you know you get it it's like hey remember when you did that talk of a night of queer horror <laughs> what did you say <laughs> <laughs> Please do that. Or just ask the question over. You know, what do you want to get your hands on? So at the risk of spoiling it, because I've never seen I haven't seen the original, I saw an article. I wanted to ask you this. I saw an article that apparently there's a twist, there's a change in the Pet Cemetery remake that they're doing. Oh. Have I'm you not, heard of this? No, I'm Okay. Ready. So I'll have to find it and then off mic we'll We'll talk about it, or maybe at the break, we'll talk about it. Yeah, because, I mean, that's definitely going to be a field trip episode later mm-hmm. this year in April. That's going to be our Easter episode, I guess. Yes. Uh, <laughs> he, he has risen. He has risen, <laughs> yes. yes. Um, but, you no, know, I, haven't, I haven't read any spoilers. I mean, I assume that they would do something, and, you yeah. know, obviously, I mean, it's, you know. Although, again, you know, with remakes and sequels and those sorts of things, it's like, you don't need to do that. Like, I mean, a lot of us... I've talked about this with other um, adaptations. Yeah. You know, and they go, these movie producers, they're like, well, you know, we had to add a twist or we had to do this because, you know, you've all read the book, so you know what happens. Like, yeah, 
And I fucking showed up to see the book be made into a movie. Like, I already came in yeah. figuring I knew the ending. You don't need to try to surprise us. Yeah. And it, you always end up, like, disappointing a lot more people than – or they try to be – how do I want to say? <laughs> Everyone's listening now, It's like Joshua. you're not – I don't know. It's like the audacity of like thinking you're more clever than the person who wrote the idea in the first place. Okay. You know, fair, fair like, enough. oh, I can come up with something better. Then why did you fucking adapt the book in the first place? Yeah. You know, if it wasn't good enough, like as it was. Again, there's still, there's plenty of things that are out there that, you know, maybe weren't great books that were adapted and, you know, turned into great movies. I, I can't think of anything right off the top of my head um, because usually the book is far better. Mm-hmm. But I just, anyways, my point is rant about that is that, you know, I, it's weird when they're like, oh, we had to add a twist so that you would be surprised. Like I didn't come here to be surprised. I came here to, you know, see an adaptation of a work that I really liked. And so a lot of times I just feel like they spoil stuff, but I don't know. You know, again, I can always watch the original Pet Cemetery if this new one sucks. True. Uh, So, you know, it's fine. (laughs) <laughs> or reread the book, which is great. I'm, I highly, yeah. highly suggest reading it. I, I love, I love looking at your shelf of King, your uh, King shelf. Yes, my Stephen King shelf. <laughs> I actually have two Stephen King shelves because this is all hardback, mm. and then I have a softback. Oh yeah, you here. do. Yeah. How did I know? <laughs> did I not yeah. know that? I've been slowly replacing remember. them over the mm. years with hardback versions and uh, and donating the um, the, the paperbacks. Others. Yeah, look at you. Giving them, you know, that is a well-worn break. copy of the Langoliers. And the- you know, I got that when it was really old already. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I've had it for, I don't even know. It was like somebody had it when the miniseries, it's like the, the miniseries uh-huh. where releases uh-huh. like the cover with their, the poster and all on it. But anyways, so long story short, no, I don't know about this. Well, we'll, we'll do it at the break. But we will I'll show you the break. We will definitely... Um, be watching the remake it's awesome. gonna be fun uh all right so without further ado i guess we'll take a quick break and then we will be back to discuss john carpenter's the thing that's why i don't have sex it's not because of my face or my general attitude towards human beings the thing is that they don't refer to any of these things as murders which is the most amazing part it's always referred to as a disappearance there's fucking blood Filling the back of a truck. That was certainly nice of me, wasn't it? Huh? Same set as Castle. Um, what? Is that really? No, but I would believe it, actually. That wouldn't shock me. I can't imagine that there's a ton of castles that Charles Van has at his disposal. <laughs> that frog is going to bang Roddy Piper. Nope, she's just one horny toad. <laughs> Justin Long just screamed that he's a fucking walrus for so long. He keeps yelling goo-goo-goo-choo and shit. <laughs> Join me and Matt as we discuss some of the worst of horror every week on the Horror Movie Night Podcast. Listen at HMNPodcast.com. All right, welcome back. Uh, I can't wait to see those guys. Yeah. You know, another month. We're going to be... Yeah. Freezing. In In our group chat today, it was like, it's a month away! I know, everybody's like lit. Like, whoop, whoop, whoop. Uh, We still have to figure out movies to watch, though, with them. Yes. uh, But we'll work on that. Anyways. So, hold on. So, Joshua did read the article. It's a Newsweek article. Oh, yeah. And I was like, here, read it and then tell me. It's about the Pet Cemetery remake. Read it and tell me if it's going to spoil me. And he's like, yeah, it's stupid. (laughs) 
Well, yeah, the, the, I mean, they're, they're, they are changing, at least if that's to be believed, a fundamental uh, plot element mm-hmm. that really is what made the original, you know, it added another layer of horror to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it still will be horrifying in the sense okay. of what the story is about. Um, it just, I, I've, it's just dumb. And I, I feel like it's, again, it's coming out of this place of like, let's not have any real conversation about gun control or, or like violence in the media and our, or I mean, violence, actual real violence in the world or in the schools, but let's like make sure that nobody gets shot on television or mm. let's, you know, censor horror films or censor television shows that have upsetting things in it because of like, oh, we're going to upset people. You know, without having fundamental conversations about, you know, real, real problems, I guess, you yeah. know. Um, so it kind of, it's, I feel like it's coming out of this, like, oh, we can't do that because, you know, it's, you know, this day and age, like how, you know, how do you show or how do you do that? Where, you know, I mean, I'm being vague because I don't want to like give away the, the plot points, but it's like, you know, I, I think people can handle it. I think we're a lot more grown up than we are. But then again, Maybe we're not. Maybe we're not. I guess I do see a lot of grown ass adults, you know, um, getting mad at drag queens reading um, books to children. So, mm. you know, I mean, <laughs> yeah, maybe we're not as involved as I think. I want to believe we're better than the media and television tells us mm-hmm. we are because I feel it's all separating. You know, continue it's yeah. the dumbing down and creating those divisions of like elitism mm-hmm. and you know oh i'm better than you or not because the television tells me that everybody in this part of the country are all yeah. idiots mm-hmm. or we're all you know lib libtards or libtard coastal elites you know when i think that we're all a lot more like you know to quote um miss formica in uh, wigstock you know that we're all a lot more with it mm-hmm. you know <laughs> speaking than, the rest, than they think we are or they want us to believe. And speaking <laughs> of divisions of society, The Thing. Right. Yes. So, 1982, The Thing. The Thing. Directed by John Carpenter uh, from the original story, Who Goes There? by John W. Campbell Jr., which we discussed again. Galeans. Go back. Mm-hmm. Listen to the episode. Uh, I, you know, wrote, um, what do you want to say? Um Mm. I don't know. I don't know. The words just left my brain. Oh my god! Uh, anyway, so today's episode. Today's episode is brought to you by. Do you smell toast? <laughs> toast. Do you right. smell a toast? A toast? Uh, so uh, we. Uh, another thing I'm trying to. Bring, I'm, I'm trying to bring back some of the academia <laughs> to the podcast. Joshua is trying desperately to bring back uh, structure to right. our lives. Uh, no, we've had some fantastic conversations on the show that were very unstructured and that's perfectly fine. Uh, but because I've been going back and listening to some of our old episodes, I, I forgot like, oh man, you know, there were some really good texts and there were some really good mm-hmm. books that, you know, we were reading like Projected Fears and the Monster, uh, the Horror Show and Men, and Women and Chainsaws. Men, and Women and Chainsaws. And, you know, and that they had really, you know, good stuff that we were like referencing and talking about. So I, and in an effort to, you know, bring some yeah. of that back to the podcast. I mean, Fright School, you know, yeah. even though, again, 
I'm not trying to be elitist or like, you know, snobby about films, yeah. you know, but just, <laughs> you know, I thought it would be fun to, you know, the next, uh, I've got a whole series of articles lined up for the next few movies that we're going to do that I think kind of pose interesting questions mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. interesting um, conversation yeah. pieces that I think people would like to read. Maybe. So <laughs> so today okay. it's uh, called, uh, this is from Weird Fiction Review. It is a bit older. It's from March uh, 2012. It's called Underneath the Skin, John Carpenter's The Thing. And you, written by Matthew Pridham, Pridham, P-R-I-D-H-A-M. Link uh, in the show notes. We will link definitely link to this article in the show notes because there's a there's a lot of good stuff in it that um that I wanted to talk about. And I did send to you, and you said you read it. I did read it. Yay, class! Go oh my god, you. are we going? Are you going to quiz me? <laughs> no, I'm not going to quiz you on it. Well, I mean, it'll be apparent if we start talking, and you have no idea. It's like, you know. oh my god. <laughs> but uh, as always, we will start with uh, your initial thoughts on the thing. Again, in this is within the class of like body horror mm-hmm. as our last episode, The Fly. Yeah, I didn't find it as disturbing as The Fly. Um, also, here's a little bit of Fright School history for you. Um, when, when I came over to Joshua's to talk for the initial talk about like, hey, well, let's do a podcast and here's the thing. Here's like, well, not you know right here's the here's, here's our the gist here's yeah. the gist here's the concept um he's like i'll just put something on in the background and he put on the thing and then i'm like trying to have a conversation with him about this potential new venture and in the background there's like people's hands getting bitten off and i'm like oh wow i'm really i'm going <laughs> i what am i signing up for uh so i had like an idea of what was going on um, and it wasn't as horrifying, I guess, because I already saw a lot of the images, but I, the, but I had no idea, gore. you know, yeah, the context, the context. Yeah. I did find it, it not as disturbing, um, in some parts, like the visuals of the, of the creature and the different stages of transformation and uh, were, were really fascinating. Um, and and it goes, it touches on this in the article a little bit about how like the creature itself doesn't really have like a pure form. Like right. it, it takes all these different forms and it just, you know, it's just pure. I mean, it's just like in, in the different stages of imitation. And I found that really unnerving. Mm-hmm. It's like, you yeah. can't name it. You can't see it in, you can't see what it is that like, cause like Chucky, Chucky's the form of Chucky. Like, you know, the, I can see it. I can name it. I have an idea of what the fear is. With this, it's just so mutable, as it says in the article. It's just so mutable that, like, there's a anxiety that comes from that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, so, yeah, overall, I liked it. Um, I definitely understand. I definitely, because, like, we talked uh, a couple years ago. I went to Comic-Con. I brought you back the... Um, outpost, the patch, and then also the game about the, you know, escape from the outpost, like that totally made more sense, made me actually really want to get the game now. Yeah. Um, and it's just been, it's always fun for me when things that I've interacted with pre seeing a film or pre exposure to, you know, something, and then like having gone through this fright school process and like, Oh, I get it. There it is. I get why it's a thing now. Um, yeah, it was it was really fascinating uh, to to have that happen and just be like, oh, now I'm experiencing more parts of culture. Yeah, I, I think that 
is awesome. I like seeing those moments with you. Yeah. You know, when you when things when something comes together. I yeah. think that's it's great. We'll be watching like American <laughs> Horror Story and I'll be like, Oh my god, that's a reference to this and right. he's like, Yes, good. You're learning. <laughs> You're learning. Young Padawan. Young Padawan. Um but yes, overall, my overall impression is I did like it. I did enjoy it. Um, based on, I think we'll talk about the prequel remake that they did in 2011. But I do want to see that now because yeah. it's, I love things that play with continuity. Yeah. So to to know that like there was a lot of attention paid to making an entire film about probably 10 minutes of what happens in the first one, that's really fascinating to me. Yeah, yeah, knowing what led up to it. Because I think they wanted that idea that you could screen them back to back and they would just flow, yeah. you know, from one to the other. Um, yeah, I I liked the, the sequel that they did, um, you know, in the sense that it wasn't... Mm-hmm. I, I didn't think it was horrible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, I, it didn't... It doesn't look it. I mean, like, I feel like... I feel like they to call it a remake and then name it the exact same name is kind of a cop out, even though it's technically a prequel. But it's also very. It sounds like it's a very similar story. So well, yeah. I mean, the thing, how, like, what story could you tell? Yeah, you know. And I, I so yeah. I I think it's it's unnecessary. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I don't think we needed to know. Yeah. You know, we, we have the footage from the thing. You have, you see the Norwegian outpost. You see, obviously, something really horrible went down. They find the monster. You know, they find the alien, the thing. Mm-hmm. The same befalls the U.S. outpost. Like, there's not really a great reason to do, you know, other than like, well, we didn't want to really do a remake of it. So if we yeah. do a prequel, that is the exact same story because it is the same story. You yeah. know, I mean, that it's it's... The only difference is that they're the ones who find it, so you you get that yeah. part of the story where how they found the thing in the ice, yeah. you know. But other than that, it's like yeah, it starts shape shifting and you know takes all those people over, you know. So yeah. I, I don't think it's necessary. I do wish that they had been able to fulfill their the production of of the 2011 thing, the thing their um, their version of. Without CGI effects, they wanted mm-hmm. to do practical effects. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I guess like the, you know, the studio came in. Oh no, we have to do this and all the CGI and you know. So I know that there's out there some sort of cut or version of the film that has all the practical effects, and I'd like to see that because yeah. that's something that I really love still about the thing. And when I watch it, is how gross and weird and twisted all of this stuff is and it's all puppetry and real you know it's yeah. it's not you know 2019 computer generated imagery you know it's yeah it's, it's real people were working very very hard yeah. mean, and and real people work very very hard yeah on the it's a different craft you know i'm not saying you know that they don't and i know people who do that kind of work and that is it's hard tough work especially sitting at a computer all day you know yeah. bend over like trying to put all this stuff in and, and, and illustrate and do that absolutely but it illustrates but a different ta- type of yeah, craft the tactility of it and, yeah. you know it, and it just it was still i remember seeing again another film i saw probably when i was nine or ten for the first time on like regular television like one of the saturday night movies mm-hmm. you know um and just being really like it's so visceral and it yeah. felt very real that those 
creatures. And even looking at it now, yeah, there are moments where you're like, you know, it's it's a little it's like a puppet, but mm-hmm. it's still like it's so believable in the world that they've built. Yeah, and for sure. So I really, yeah, I I I would like to see the another film do more stuff like that. You mm-hmm. know, more like more practical effects, less CGI. I know Lillian's yeah. getting really comfortable on you, man. Yeah, she really is. She's like, hey, pass the mic to me. I've got some He's thoughts like, on I have Lillian, and I have something to say. As something that looks like a thing. Yes, very much. <laughs> it's gonna, it's like gonna absorb me right now. Um, uh, I did love me. I too love me some uh, non-clean shaven Wolford Brimley. Um, <laughs> with uh shooting up everything like i feel oh i know yeah yeah i love the um that whole scene like y- y- the the breakdown that they're all having yeah i also love that like i i feel like i didn't see it so please correct me if i'm wrong but i feel like you you're never quite sure when he turned but you know that he did and you're just trying to figure out when who um, Wilford Brimley's character, I forget what his name is. Uh, is it Child? Uh, Blair. Blair, yeah. Yeah, the Blair monster. That thing is mm. frightening. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, he, cause like, I feel like, I feel like at a certain point he knows, cause when he finds out that like, okay, they, they need to kill this thing. It needs to be destroyed because it's going to potentially wipe out all of mankind, uh, right. humankind. Um, then, like, at a certain point, he turns, but you don't know when. Like, is the turning point where he's like, I want to come in, let me in? Or is it after that? Or is it before right. that? And they never quite illustrate when that is. Also, like, they <laughs> they really, uh, you know, they put that spaceship together pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we're dealing with a, an alien intelligence. Well, know? that's, I mean, that's true. That's, I mean, it, that's how you can explain it. Yeah. Kind of stuff, of course. Yeah, I mean, it's in there trying to figure a way out, and it wants to escape. It needs to get... I mean, I don't think it was meant for intergalactic travel. I think it's something to get it beyond Alaska. Yeah. You know, to a place where it can start quickly. Mm -hmm. Or, yes, (laughs) Antarctica. They filmed it. What did I say? You said Alaska. That's right, because we were talking about where it was filmed. Yeah. Yeah, so the idea would be to get it at least to civilization where it could rapidly start spreading yeah for uh, sure you know so anyways let's uh turn to some of our 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 article here because mm-hmm. i really like this um comment about the thing focuses dread light on a question which has haunted thinkers for ages the problem of other minds mm-hmm. so like how do we know someone else is someone else like how do we know that they have a self that's like the same as ours or how do we know that a person is who and what they say they are we can't it's like un, you know it's unknowable you have to we have to trust each other yeah um but i thought that was kind of a cool you know a place to start like the conversation about what the the thing is about you know so this both this thing and the thing from another world are based on you know a story that was mm-hmm. written um in what what was the year do we remember? I do not. Um, Nineteen thirty-eight, and we said the Cold War. We thought began when? Uh, Cold War probably began um, at the end of World War Two, so before that. 
So Cold War began at the signing, you know, the literal end of World War II when the Soviet Union started invading or started occupying places. And then, you know, at the signing of the treaty. And and then both both of the films were made within that within that time frame. So yeah. we were talking I, when we watched the film and then afterwards when we were discussing, you know, some some of our, our, our initial thoughts and the Sam Squinch was in here talking, you know, about these being Cold War films mm-hmm. still and looking at this like massive distrust and, you know, all these fears and anxieties and, and worry that mm-hmm. we, you know, were having yeah. that this – that that's what this movie is about. You know, it's a film kind of at its core about trust. Yeah. Distrust. And this idea of, yeah, how do we really know somebody is who they, who they say, say they, they are. are? Which, I mean, yeah, the, that's, that's something I've always really liked about the thing is how claustrophobic it is. You know, it has, it doesn't have a, a tiny cast, but it's like just under a dozen or mm-hmm. just over a dozen, right? Aren't there one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13. Yeah. 13 men. Mm-hmm. Um, all men. All men. Which is interesting since the, the original, since the, the thing from another world actually did have a woman in it. A secretary, yeah. Yeah, we talked a, a little bit about her um, in our – well, actually, I think we talked probably a lot more about her um, mm-hmm. than, the, than, than we talked about, like, the whole film, like, her role. Um, but, you know – Because you, ha- you have to have a secretary right. in, in this Arctic outpost. You got to. Um, but her – but she's been removed, so you just have, like, these 13 men. You know, mm-hmm. it's a very claustrophobic feeling of the film. It it breaks down very quickly. Mm-hmm. One know, could argue – each other. One could argue that the inclusion of two men of color – um, might be a way for them to have like that presence because like one of them's a mm-hmm. cook, right? Yeah. And then I don't know which one child child is the child, other guy who's yeah. the one at the end. Um, yeah, he makes it, he makes it through to the end. Although does he, that's the question. Oh, uh, true. Is who, you know, when we get to the end with childs, which is, um, played by, where'd he go? He's Keith a, David. Yeah, Keith David, known and actor. And R.J. McCready, Kurt Russell's mm-hmm. character. They they make it to the end, and the question is, are either one of them a the thing? thing. <laughs> no. Or, you know, or are they both human? You know, or are they both the thing? I mean, yeah. who knows? <laughs> it just, it they have to end. wait for the other it's one to very, die. Yeah, yeah, it's a very nihilistic film, you know, the, mm-hmm. the way it ends, and, you know, they destroy their whole outpost and, you know, they're kind of left there freezing to death, you know, sort of, mm-hmm. which I, I think is what is why Blair goes crazy is he realizes he needs to sacrifice himself and everybody there yeah. to ensure that this thing does not spread. Because if it gets out, the yeah. computer, it's like within three years, it, it will have taken over the whole world. Yeah. And then that interesting conversation where it's like, if, you know, obviously one of, obviously you're not all. Um, where he's like, you're not all I- I- imitations because if you were all imitations, you'd just kill me. Yeah, that was a good, yeah. Like, that was like, well, you'd just kill me if I were. And that's the other, like, the one thing that I really enjoyed with the film was how, like, you know, it, it, with exposition y stuff, it's like, okay, well, you know, you're, you're basically trapped there at the bottom of the world. How are you figuring out ways to test it? So it's like they're they're going back to this like they're really thinking about okay well it it makes sense like it doesn't seem hokey like oh you can just figure that out on your own like it actually makes sense for what it is that they're doing so like the um, the thing with the blood and the yeah. hot needle 
um, the blood and the hot needle that was like really that's just it's observant like it doesn't seem it doesn't seem trite it doesn't seem um, like they're just trying to explain something away uh, but yeah that thing about like well if you were all infected you could just kill me so obviously you're not all infected one of you is some of you are human so that's the only thing that's pretty much saving <laughs> saving him but also saving them from because there's people he can't kill yeah I like um I like sort of what you brought up about like them kind of coming up with tests and things like that. And there was a great um, part of this uh, article where it talks about, you know, their educated men in this research station. And regardless, like mm-hmm. they're as, as helpless as cavemen would be, you know, they yeah. do autopsies mm-hmm. and they, you know, look at it with their microscope, but they learn nothing, you know, other than like how it operates, that it just consumes you yeah. and, and, and remakes itself you know, in your image. Uh, and it's, it's their mind. It's up to their imagination to understand why, like it's, they don't know the, why it does what it does. They just know that it needs to do what it does, that it's fed. It's driven by, they don't know its motivations. If it has any other than like, you know, escaping. Right. Like, is it like a virus, you know, where the whole goal is to consume mm-hmm. and take over everything until it destroys its yeah. host? Or does it just want to get out of there and go home? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Maybe it just wants to get back to a ship and be like, I need to get fuck off this planet. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've been frozen in here for like however many hundred thousand years. Hundred thousand years. Yeah. Like, I want to get out of here. Yeah. You just don't know. Yeah. You don't, you don't, you just, you, you have no idea what yeah. its motivations are. And again, that makes it very, uh, terrifying, yeah. you know, on that, you know, in that they cannot communicate with it in a way that makes sense to them. I mean, when it yeah. speaks, which it doesn't really speak, it just howls and, and growls shrieks, yeah. and shrieks and, you know, that part where, um, oh gosh, you know, what's his name? Yeah, the thing that kind of Norris. No, the, the thing no, that, that makes my thing. skin crawl. Just thinking about shrieking. The thing that makes my skin crawl is anything where testicles are flailing. So like testicles, <laughs> tentacles, tentacles. Yes, testicles flailing. Testicles flailing are also is also bad. Uh, but yeah, the the tentacles are flailing and like it's just like Wah! and I'm like that just makes my skin crawl. Yeah. Like that well, image. The parts the the part of the movie with the dogs. You oh know, well, yeah, it's all crawling out. Ugh, mm-hmm. it's, the, it's just so. Well, you have a soft spot for anything thing that has like animal horror animal harm yeah i mean yeah. i don't like to see animals harmed yeah you know? um but yeah that whole scene is just awful and yeah. you know the dogs are all like melting and mm-hmm. it's, i don't know it's just it's really really horrible but um it's it's you know when we're talking about this it's another part of this article that i like the thing silence as well as its bizarre mode of reproduction arouses the question uh what does it mean Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what is what is it trying to do? Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What does it want? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. What does it want besides to consume? What other motivations yeah. would it have? So I mean, and that's the thing too. It, well, the thing, right. I, I know you just can't not you can't not be aware of when you're saying that word. Right. Um, <laughs> that's the rub. <laughs> there you go. Right. That's the rub as well. Is that all? that all these men can do is also project their motivations onto it. So their, their, their motivations onto the, the film on, onto this, onto this creature, because they see it as like, you know, white male colonizers. <laughs> they see it as like something that is there to dominate when really maybe it's not, but also because of how violent it is. 
Yeah. You know, like that's, that's interest. That's it's an, true. I feel like that's a read on it where it's like you were, we're, we project onto it things that we fear the most. And so what do these men fear being taken over? That's why like, yeah, it makes Keith's David, Keith David's character, Chuff Childs, like, oh, it's like, oh no, this thing ain't getting me. Like I'm, I'm going to be there because he knows what it's like to be, uh, be dominated and to be subjected in that way. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was, Sorry, I might look at you're like I'm trying to make a fa- <laughs> jungle gem. Exactly. I'm trying to make a good point here and these cats are just like climbing He's all just over walking me. all over your face. I can't believe you got through that whole thing with him like sitting on your shoulder. Well, as, as long as I didn't make any sudden movements, I felt right. that I'd be fine. I know he's, but eventually I have to stand up. <laughs> so right. we'll see what happens. Yeah, you can you can knock them down. Uh, but I don't know. How do you no, feel about the what? I, the, no, I, I mean I think that yeah, that's absolutely. I mean yeah, that's absolutely what's happening. You know they they. I mean that's what causes the immediate breakdown. I mean one, it's you know they're all together there, separated from like the rest of the world. Yeah, you know so they each have their own whatever's going on in their head about each other mm-hmm. now they have a great excuse to take that out yeah you know mm-hmm. and to and to have that aggression you know and to have that like now every little thing means something mm-hmm. you know even more because there's this creature that yeah. is on the loose that is on the loose and could be any of us and is some of us mm-hmm. definitely you know um so yeah i mean of, of course i i think that this is it's absolutely, again, a, a film about paranoia and about distrust and, you know, especially contextualizing it in, you know, the sense that it was, uh, you know, coming out in a time of, you know, like the Cold War in this intense political climate. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it, it just sort of makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I... And there's already this natural distrust of McCready's character because he, like... He's one of the most important people on that mission because he flies the pl- he flies the chopper, but he also like chooses to live separately in his shack, like away from everybody, yeah, and isolates and and you know isolates himself and create you know this very insular lifestyle and and you know they already don't trust him. You can already tell that they don't trust him as much, but he also. It's so weird because it's like it's that mentality of like, no, I'm the one that you need to trust and I know what's good for the group. So I'm going to make the decisions even though you can't see it, but I'm going to do it and be dominating. Like there's a lot. I I just feel like that's that's also a complicated thing for me in like any type of any type of text or media representation of like a group of people. And then when the natural leader arises, it's never because... It, the the only way, reason why they arise in such a way is because that they are, um, is because that they are. You know, wow, really climbing on me. Well, uh, you're just a guy. I think he thinks you want to pet him. Oh, I don't want to <laughs> pet you. Uh, he, you really just want to like all it is is just because they like. I just I know what's best for this group, and right. I'm you know that's why I make the rules. I just think of Rick and Walking Dead. Like there is there nothing. Yeah. There's nothing inherently like. There's nothing inherently beneficial to have him as the leader. He just happens to be the person that we're that we're fixated on. Well, I think you know sometimes it's a matter too of like directness, mm-hmm. you know, or somebody who's going to get up and say what needs to be said, or at least will do some sort of action. Yeah, you know, because that's that's sort of the thing we talked about it in um, Night of the Living Dead. 
Yeah, because he he just takes it because he's like, we need a we need a plan. We need yeah. to have some sort of because otherwise we're going to stand here until we're all eaten by zombies because we're trying to decide whether or not we're going to go into the basement. You know, <laughs> exactly. And it goes back and forth and back and forth. You know, in, in Night of the Living Dead. So it's like somebody has to eventually stand up and go, okay, you know what? Listen, fuckers, like we are in trouble here and we need to, you know, make something happen. And so he's just kind of like clutching for, you know, any, any way to make sense of a totally senseless situation, you know? <laughs> oh my God. But anyway, so I did want to, uh, bef- before we, uh, finish up, this article has, you know, a couple interesting points about examining this uh, through a lens of like feminism. Mm-hmm. Um, so Carpenter's movie, again, like we said, you know, it's m- mostly men. The absence of women was realistic for its time, especially um, in looking at the kind of work they were doing. Yeah, for now, sure. Now, obviously, we're 30 plus years later. Uh, you know, we're, mo- you know, we're, at least we have the idea that we're more equal. Yeah. You know, egalitarian, it says here. Um so the the remake has you know a lot more women in it. Well, not remake the sequel, the prequel, the prequel. The I don't even know what to call it. It needs like a a, a reimagining. Yes. Maybe that's the best. A word reimagining. To use. Yeah. You just need to knock him down. Hemlock. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. I, I'm I'm fine. He's he's okay. Okay. He's um, just sitting on your face. He he really is. You know. <laughs> The last time a man sat on my face, well, right, you know, um, uh, <laughs> sorry, tried to devour you. Yes, exactly. Uh, He's trying to absorb me like the thing. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what's happening here. <laughs> uh, anyway, so it's so the the film doesn't. I mean, I don't. I can't think of any time that they mention like, "Hey, there are no women here." You know, it doesn't. It doesn't really pull that kind of focus, yeah. but. It's interesting, this idea of, like, the thing with its mutable nature, which you talked about earlier, Mm -hmm. its omnivorous appetite for men, and its foregrounded physicality can certainly suggest ancient Mm -hmm. patriarchal fears of devouring women. Yeah. Um, Which I thought was an interesting read. I don't necessarily... It's hard to look at a a, a film with... 13 men in the lead directed by a man written by a man based on another man's work <laughs> as being particularly a feminist film a feminist well is it a feminist film or, or is it inherently misogynist right well i i don't know because i don't know if that if that was really what if if this idea of like the destructive woman Mm-hmm. You know, I, it's hard to think that that's what they were going for with the thing. Yeah. That it represents some sort of this feminine force of nature destroying yeah. the spaces of men. I, yeah. I thought that was, de- it was an interesting See, I don't get thought. that at all. I get, I don't even, I mean, it, because it is an, because it's a mutable force, there really is no, you can't read a, like, I read it as masculine because it's a destructive force, you know, and that's like a toxically masculine thing given also who's around it. They're reading it as a destructive force because one, it's killing, I mean, potentially killing people, but also, you know, these, 
it's just a bunch of men. Like, of course you're thinking it's like, you know, this masculine for this. this yeah. That it's invasive, evasive and by any means necessary, you know, these sorts of ideas of, you know, of war and of, you know, colonization, yeah, colonizing. I I think it's interesting though, in saying that, um, there, the this the article references this Julia Kristeva's theory of the abject, abject, mm-hmm. um, abject. Those alienated parts of ourselves from which we have problematic relationships, mm-hmm. and the uh, Kristeva or, argues this order of beings, somewhere between self and non-self, living and dead, is often equated to or associated with the feminine, the foreign, or whichever other categories fall outside those privileged by any given society. So, which I, I mean, I think it's an interesting read. I, I feel like there. Kind of what they're getting at is like when we talk about like the patriarchal construction of science, for instance, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that it's you know everything's so phallic and the the the, the, the quote unquote normal for anything the, is the zero is mm-hmm. white male, yeah, mm-hmm. and anything that deviates from that it is other. So yeah. a woman is other, queer is other, yeah. Um, this alien becomes other, yeah. thus being equated with. Yeah. the feminine but again i don't i don't i don't know if the thing means to be that obtuse yeah if, if that's if that's the word i'm looking yeah. for like you know hidden on all this i really don't think john carpenter was thinking let's yeah it's a very let's talk about the yeah. let's talk about the destructive force of women in yeah. men's lives i don't think i, I think like they <laughs> this I, thing is yoko ono and they're all the beatles <laughs> all, I, I don't <laughs> You know, it's like that. It's ridiculous. I, I, That's I, also a contender know. for title of that. The thing is Yoko Ono, right? Um, <laughs> let's be honest, though. Right. The only reason why they're reading that into it is because it's a thing. It's a monster that looks like a vagina that's consuming them. Like, really? Like, that's... There are there are scenes where it is rather vaginal, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, you know, the... when it opens up, you know, the, yeah. the part where it comes out of the dog or whatever, and it, mm-hmm. like, opens up, you know, I guess it has that sort of idea. But then again, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't think entirely. Sometimes no. it doesn't. I mean, it's got all these tentacles and all these like phallic kind of looks too. You know, it turns mm-hmm. turns a head into like a spider creature. You know, yeah. I mean, it's a lot of different things. Yeah. You know, but there's definitely, I guess, some scenes yeah. where it has that look if you're looking for it. But, and then, uh, and the article goes on further to po- yeah. to to um, to postulate a a homoerotic read of it as well, like. Yeah, uh, another way of seeing this gender imbalance more obvious to our age than to John Campbell back in the 30s is to see it centering on the specter of unexpected homoerotic desire. Yeah. The thing hides among these men, moves through them, melding and reshaping them according to the dictates of a hunger foreign to their world. Hot. Yes. <laughs> Where is the thing XXXX? You know? Uh, I mean, I'm sure some or studio. XXX, whatever. Three X's. Is that you don't want to like triple up four you know, X's? Somebody, somebody, Chi Chi LaRue needs to get on this. Oh my God. Can you imagine? You know? Can you imagine that Chi Chi LaRue directed the thing porno? Yeah. It would be like his thing or something like that. Yeah, whatever. It consumes you. It consumes you. Uh, so, I mean, I, I thought that was interesting. Rather than homophobia, this may be a terror of uncontrollable desire in the abstract, lending itself nicely to a feminist reading as well, you know, which we talked a little bit about. I, I still feel that's problematic, yeah. though, because it's 
because I see what they're saying with desire and it's like unwanted desire, but like, because it's seen as this destructive force. Yeah. I don't know if I, I, I I can see where it's coming from and you know, but I also feel like that's a stretch. Yeah. And even the article itself, it's like, well, you know, I mean, these are just, we're just throwing out theories here. Something to write about texture, you know, you know, but it's like, I don't know. I, it's, it's definitely interesting. I mean, there is a, I think if anything, there's more credence to that sort of reading than like the destructive, like woman, I feel, yeah. you know, but maybe mm-hmm. this like, you know, a homoeroticism, yeah. you know, I mean, we've talked about that before on the podcast, you know, like homophobia is the obverse of like misogyny and mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times people who are homophobic are because they're homos. <laughs> you know but again i don't i don't when i watch the movie as a queer person um and this goes back to kind of a little bit of our conversation with the fly it's hard i don't get a queer reading from it no you know i don't i i don't want to i don't try to put a queer reading on it and i don't i don't feel it's a queer film regardless of having a cast of 13 men and you know a thing Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know (laughs) taking them over or whatever like it just doesn't you know, it doesn't give yeah. me that. Well, because I like, mean, other than being like, I mean, yeah, Kurt Russell is freaking hot as hell in it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you like, know, other than the fact that you want to be surrounded by thirteen men and their things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wonderful. Uh, especially there's yeah. hot men in this. You know, the, yeah, it, the eighties, the, the inherent <laughs> because there it, there is no women in it. Like, there's no women. Yeah. I don't know. Like, there's there the the only queer thing and queer in the terms of strange is just the circumstances they're finding themselves in yes and the thing being yeah. you know this kind of queer you know this other this yeah. otherness yeah. that's invading yeah but like think of that that's such an interesting concept though if you think about like queer people being like the thing being able to um imitate and yeah. and move within circles in a way before you know eventually trying to i mean like the besides the fact and then like i mean if you if you really want to go there you can say something about disease right you can say something about like yeah. infecting absorbing other people but yeah and this would be another movie that would fall in like those you know the early days of like aids and the mm-hmm. aids crisis but again i mean i i you know other than yeah other than just having having been made in that time, it's just, you know, yeah. I, I don't... There's nothing that warrants that kind of read of it. Yeah, I don't think so at all. I think if nothing else, you know, it's a good alien movie, um, you know, you know, on the sur- it works great on, just right on the surface for what it is. I mean, I, I watch it, you know, I mean, it, it's fun analyzing this way as, you know, we've done on this podcast for mm-hmm. all these years you know be, be, you know examining and seeing the culture around it thinking about the cold war thinking about the cuban missile crisis thinking about invasion anxiety you know yeah. the same thing we you know we were in this same space you know 50 years later 40 years later yeah um how, whatever year um the thing from another world actually was that 50s um it might have been 50s yeah whoops yeah um Anyways. Yeah, it was 50s because we did it chronologically, and 1960 is... Yeah, 1951. Yeah. So here we are 31 years later, and kind of still in the same paranoid kind of place, as we are now. You know, if anything, now would be a good time to to do something about the thing when we're constantly worried about our borders, or we're not, but we have an administration that's very preoccupied with a giant wall. Mm Mm-hmm. 
and you know this all this invasion anxiety that's really unwarranted in a lot of ways um at least with mexico um you know but i guess it, it, that even makes even more sense cuz you know we're the real danger yeah. <laughs> you know we the we, thing we is are us. the thing yeah. we the thing is us the thing is us uh, <laughs> spoiler alert the thing is us spoiler alert uh but I do – there's a really good end here to this uh, that, that I thought was kind of cool. Um, the thing parades our nature before us, a mysterious exterior, unreadable but for behavioral clues, paired with an alien slippery interior. We are as unknown, as weird as most anything we are likely to find in the dark abyss of space. Though our societal organizations find ways of distracting us from the stranger aspects of our nature, usually by encouraging us to project them onto undesirable groups, mm-hmm. they can never fully obscure the mystery below our skins. I mean, I, I love that. You know, yeah. that is kind of, I, I think, a, a, a cool examination of this, even though it is this alien movie and the, the alien is a catalyst for everything that happens. Really, you know, at the heart, again, it's this trust among these men who have worked together, you imagine, for a long time. They've been, you know, they're researching, they're in very close quarters. They should know each other. They yeah. should work familially, and they should be able to trust each other. And but they don't really quickly, uh, really fast. They don't, and it well, breaks down really quickly with the introduction of this alien. Well, even like even everything leading up to the discovery of the creature, it it's like they're a bunch of strangers living there. But you're supposed to believe that they've been there for a long time. Like that that to me is fascinating. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I, I just think overall, you know, that that is still the most interesting thing about it. And when you think about, like, if you were with a big group of your friends that you think you know, you mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. and something happens, maybe not an alien, but, you know, mm-hmm. it, well, it's like a lot of other movies. Somebody dies, and it's clearly somebody in the room that did it, but nobody's fessing up, and nobody knows who it was, and nobody seems... Yeah, Like they would do anything, you know, it just gets right at the heart of like, how well can you trust the people? You know, I think about this sometimes at work, especially as, you know, we live in, in California, you know, we, I think about earthquakes, all the rain, you know, people have been worried about, you know, mudslides and, you know, yeah. terrible things happening. And so there are times when I'm like, I could be trapped with just these people. Yeah. Like the, my coworkers are who I'm going to maybe one day have to survive through some kind of, you know, ordeal. Like, you know, you never know, but it's like, you think about it. You know, we were talking the other day, one of my coworkers made a joke of like, oh, if there's an earthquake or if there's something happening, sorry, I'm running and I'm going to save myself and you all. Yeah. I'm like, hey, that is good to know, girl. No. That's fine with me. <laughs> we'll all do the same. Yeah, everybody for themselves. Bye. <laughs> but then again, we're a bunch of healthcare workers, so I doubt that would actually similar conversation <laughs> in my workplace where it was like there was a partic- a day that it was particularly misty, and I was like, and then we were talking about what that would be like if the if the apocalypse happened right then and there, and where we would go, <laughs> and I kept my mouth shut because I don't want them knowing my plan. Uh, my plan is to, you know, outlive all of them as much as far as I can. Hey, I, I wish you luck on that. Yeah. Uh, one more thing to add about this. Was that a read? <laughs> <laughs> I think it sounds exactly like you, Joe. Uh-huh. Um, fuck everybody. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, so uh, when I printed this article, I did not mean to print the, the comments. comments. But I'm glad I did because uh, there was a good one. This Noel person. Uh, who six years ago wrote about um, something that he 
or she, they find overlooked in these films is that the human characters are working class. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, this plunges us into the miserable grind of physical and psychic discomfort of wage uh, labor, which disallows friendship, intimacy, closeness, as well as actual sex. Mm -hmm, I'm not mm -hmm. sure where he's talking about that, but... um, the mundane yet precarious life of these explicitly American blue-collar workers are beholden to faceless corporate national entities that have no interest in protecting them. And in the case of, like, Alien, use them post-Tuskegee as receptacles for the study of malignant physical invasion. Ugh. So I don't know who this person is, but, mm-hmm. you know, he should be on our podcast talking about um, – this uh talking this way yeah. <laughs> uh but i i thought that was actually really kind of a a good point in that with like with alien which we've not officially done we've not show, officially done we talked about in the first um in with w- in galians that episode um you know they it's the same thing they're working class people they're like mining for minerals and the company knows what's going on so it does make you wonder, you know, I, I like that, like, all of these lives are expendable for this creature, uh-huh. you know, even though you don't have the same sort of entity where somebody's trying to save it like you do with Alien mm-hmm. um, or the way, the, the, like, the corporation behind it all, like, wanting to weaponize the creature. I don't know. I just thought that was a good point, you know, that, that this also kind of has that same tie yeah. with Alien of, like, working class people being expendable to you know, the interests of, of the, of mm-hmm. the country of a corporation. Um, you know, it, it does add a whole other layer of like, these are just guys trying to do a job, yep. you know, and this creature ruins everything. Um, so other thoughts on the thing. Um, I got nothing. That's I, I, I it, it was good. My, yeah. Yeah. I, I love it. It's a movie that I'll watch again, definitely. I've, I've seen it, I don't know how many times, but I, I always enjoy it. It's it's tense and weird, and I think it moves very quickly. You know, yeah. you're kind of, you're in the action really fast. Um, it's unfortunate. It was not a big hit when it came out. Um, really, uh, I mean, a, practically a flop, I guess. Um, yeah, negative reviews described as instant junk, a wretched excess, and proposed as the most hated film of all time at the time. And I think that's largely due, one, the 80s, for, you know, for whatever reason, were was a time of, like, hope. Yeah. And people were, you know, we were changing. There was a lot of upward mobility, you know, um, feminism was in an interesting place. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially for white people, as usual, is the, you know the start of it. White women, um, ET had come out, yeah, uh, you know, in the same. I think it was released around the same time, and you know, gave this hope about connecting with alien life and it being, yeah, you know, positive, positive and happy and childlike wonder and all of that. And this was a very nihilistic look. At yeah, you know, interactions with space creatures, <laughs> they would try yeah. to to kill us all. So you know, I think that really contributed a lot to mm-hmm. obviously not it not doing well. But thankfully, in the years since, it's it's seen as as a really a cult classic, great film. Yeah, you know, I mean, it. I I think it's you know, it's one of the best that um, John did in this 
you know, in this realm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, so again, we thank you, dear listener. Uh, parts of this discussion, again, underneath the skin, John Carpenter's The Thing in You. It'll be uh, tagged underneath if you want to read more about that. Um, Do the required reading. Yes. Check out the game. There's also a really cool art book that came out a few years yes. ago. That yeah. Compiled. Um, it's still on my list to buy. I can't believe I don't own it. Um, did I tell you I saw it at Comic-Con? Yes, you did. That's oh. how I heard about it. And oh, so I like, had it tagged like to buy. The problem is is they sell out of it a lot, and then the price fluctuates. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I have to find like the next printing of it. Um, but we'll tag that down below, too, for anybody who's fans of the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Anyway, so we got more episodes coming. You know, rate, listen, subscribe, or in some kind of order. All uh, that stuff. Like us. Follow us, tweet us, Instagram us. I don't know what are the what are the action verbs for that. Uh, just follow us. Please. Tip jars below if you want to donate to yeah. the to the madness. Yeah, <laughs> pay your fees. Yes, school fees. So you get to get a box of Kleenex and yeah. some highlighters. You go on a field trip. <laughs> Anyways, all right. Well, we will be back next week with another exciting edition. And uh, you know, uh, keep watching the skies. We'll pull from the from that first episode. You know, keep an eye out and um, don't trust your friends, no matter how much they tell you that they are who they say they are. <laughs> That's such a warm thought, Josh. It is. It's very warm. Good night, Joe. Good night. <laughs> Fright School is produced by Joshua Napier and Joe Farron. Our intro was edited by Davy Boy Productions. Our logo was designed by Jamie Channel Guzman. Episodes are edited and engineered by Joe Farron. Fright School is produced in terrifyingly beautiful San Diego, California. Listening to the Geekscape Network.